0: Now, we're in this series in Acts, and um, we didn't plan this, but it actually kind of fit, even though Kristen said, I can't wait to see how you do this, because the theme of EBS was Shine Jesus Light, and here we are in the in the study of Acts, and we're looking today in Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, a little bit in 6, mostly 7, it's the story that encapsulates the first martyr in the church, Stephen. And you go, okay, how do you talk about martyrdom and shining Jesus' light? But the reality is is that Stephen shone Jesus' light. This is what he did. He paid the ultimate cost for this. But I want us to see the similarities in how Jesus' light was shown through this person, Stephen. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we're going to jump in starting in uh, verse 8 of Acts chapter 6. God, your word teaches us always. There is not an irrelevant part of your scripture. God, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to inspire your word. May it come alive to us. Would we draw from it what we, uh, not just what we think we need, but what you know we need to hear and to understand and to practice. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Stephen, uh, in verse 8 of chapter 6, this is what it says. Here's just an example of how Stephen, uh, he, he, he shined Jesus' light. Okay, a couple of verses, and I'll tell you, he, well, let me just, verse 6, I mean, chapter 6 first. It says this, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. That's shining Jesus' light. He was, he was doing what the other apostles had done. He's a deacon in the church, if you will. He actually, his job was to help, uh, food distribution and taking care of people while the apostles went out and preach. But Stephen had the opportunity and he did the same thing. And so he was full of grace and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. Verse 10 of chapter six says that, um, Those who had a problem with his speaking about Jesus says they couldn't stand up to the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Remember the overriding theme of all of Acts we've been talking about is the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and empowering us, equipping us to speak the truth of the gospel. And so we see here in verse 10, that's exactly what's happened. Now the religious leaders had a problem with Stephen, just like they have with Peter and John, and and they had with Jesus himself. The problem was is is that every time these people spoke about Jesus, it, it disturbed, it interrupted their status quo. It interrupted their way of doing religion. It interrupted their way of this is how we are going to worship and these are the steps you must go through in order to be devout. And every time people would shine the light of Jesus, it messed things up and they constantly got mad about it. And so, what the religious leaders had to do, they didn't really have a leg to stand on, and so they had to come up with some accusations against Stephen. They weren't true. Um, they might have been like maybe a little bit like a thread of accuracy, but all in all, not really. <laughs> um, they said, "Okay, we're gonna let's let's tell everyone that Stephen is um, blaspheming. He's talking against, speaking against." Um, God, we're going to say he was speaking uh, negatively against Moses. And then the temple was a big deal to the religious leaders, the place where everyone would come to worship and come for these Jewish festivals and and holy days. Um, It was like the center headquarters, if you will. And they're like, and he spoke against the temple too. So God and Moses and the temple. They said Stephen was speaking bad against it. He wasn't, but that's what they said he was doing. Now, so there, he gets called before the religious leaders. Verse fifteen of, of chapter six it says this: All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin—that's that semicircle of leaders that were like scowling and look unhappy, you know—and they were all the all those who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And look at this: talk about shining Jesus light. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. I don't know how you and I would respond when people are accusing us of things we haven't done and then we're called before them. And and you know, you know the stories, you know the people who had been beaten and arrested and thrown in jail and, and the stuff they have gone through for talking about Jesus and he is sitting before them knowing that he's going to get some kind of punishment most likely for shining Jesus' light and yet he's there with a face like an angel. He is full of the Holy Spirit. He is with them. So after all these accusations come, all right, then we go into chapter 7 is where we're really going to be today. The high priest, verse 1 of Acts 7, the high priest asked Stephen. He says, are these charges true? Have you spoken against God, against Moses, and against the temple? Are these accusations true? Verse 2, to this he, Stephen, replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Listen to me. It's, it's all the opening that Stephen needed. Listen. Are these accusations true? He didn't go, no, 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 no. No, they're not true. No, no, don't, don't, I don't want to be in trouble. He said, listen. The opportunity to shine Jesus' light is here right before Stephen. Now, he launches into this incredible historical witness to share the gospel based on Jewish history. He says, listen to me, and he's going to tell them things they already know, but he's going to tell it to them in a new light. Now, this is how powerful this message is. Stephen does what the apostle Peter later tells all of us to do, all believers to do. This is what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.15. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, To give the reason for the hope that you have. Why do you have hope in Jesus? We should always be prepared to give that reason. Not just what do we believe, but why do we believe what we believe? And Stephen was prepared. when When the leader of the Sanhedrin said, Is this true? He said, Everyone, listen up. Listen up. Here we go. He's prepared to share. We should be ready to articulate why we believe what we believe. So here's the defense. Stephen does this. He gives this incredible defense for these false accusations. Um, Did he blaspheme and speak against Moses, God and Moses? Those were a little interchangeable there for them. And speaking against the temple. um, So he shines light. Here he goes. Now, this is the longest sermon in the book of Acts. Stephen's sermon, which was surprising to me, but it's true. And, and to avoid this being the longest sermon about the longest sermon, uh, we're going to do an overview of sections of this of this speech of this sermon that Peter uh, that Stephen gives. All right. So, the two accusations: Moses and the temple. The first one is this about the temple. He kind of makes a big deal about the temple um, because the religious leaders made a really big deal about the temple. The temple was not just a church building. It was a it was a financial place, it was a place of esteem and prestige. If you were part of the temple, if you were part of the temple leadership, you were uh, you were a bigwig in the in the community. It was it was important to be connected to the temple. It was bureaucratic. Uh, it had structure and and all of these things. And like I said, whenever all these people would start talking about Jesus. It would disrupt these kinds of organizations. So the accusation was, oh, well, Stephen's speaking against the temple. The temple where we worship God, the temple. And so when Stephen's asked, are these true? This is what he says, verse 2. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia. Now, for those of us in here that are going, I don't know what that means. The people he was speaking to understood everything he said. They understood the details. They didn't understand it in their spirit. The point about Mesopotamia was God's been appearing long before there was ever a temple. God's been appearing to his people long before there was ever a place that we all gathered. He emphasized this. Stephen emphasized the God of glory appeared a long time before there was ever even a promised land, much less a temple. So not only is, so what Stephen is, he's setting up this argument, not only was the temple unnecessary for the revelation of God, the promised land wasn't necessary either. All these things, he's saying, look, God can show up however he wants, you are putting him only in the temple. You're making this about the temple, it's not about the temple. God was greater, is greater than either of those things. And this explained how how Stephen was, he's not guilty. I'm not speaking against the temple in any way other than the fact that, I mean, God shows up all over the place. It doesn't have to be in the temple. You've made it about the temple, religious leaders, not me. So Stephen is setting his case before them. Here's the deal I I, I kind of took out of this part. and, And this is what I think, I would hope you and I would take this in. Okay? Stephen emphasized that it wasn't about the place, it was about the presence. He's telling these religious leaders it's not about the place where you meet, it's not about whether this has been sanctioned by you guys, the Sanhedrin. It's about the presence of God. Our interaction with God is about being in his presence, and they were making it more about the place. Now, Stephen goes into this really long historical explanation of of the patriarchs of the church. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. And he talks about how God uh, was in relationship with these people and historically, okay, go and read chapter 7 later, historically, the, the religious leaders repeatedly, disobeyed or disregarded the leaders that God had given them. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Repeatedly, they were like, God gave them a leader, and then they were like, oh, we don't really need you. Oh, we want somebody else. They did this over and over and over again. So Stephen's like, you're, you're saying I blaspheme Moses, but, but historically, that's all you guys were doing. So what are these accusations about? And he kept making about God and not about their rules. In verses uh, 9 and 10 of chapter 7, Stephen says, this this is about Joseph. He says, the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph. They sold him as a slave into Egypt, his brothers, right? But God was with him. God was with him. And rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. See, God was with Joseph. Whether you approved of him or not, whether your religious ancestors approved of him or not, God was with him. With Moses, Stephen's uh, defense was in verse 39. But our ancestors refused to obey him, Moses. Instead, they rejected him, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. You've rejected every leader God's given you. Why are you saying I'm blaspheming uh, Moses, Stephen is asking, when you yourself have disregarded him? So Stephen points out that Israel rejected Moses and his leadership over and over. And then just to kind of, he really, you know, this is something I personally I want to read more into because he really goes into the temple a lot. One of the comments that Stephen makes in verse 48, he says, The Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. That had to sting for the people that had the temple as the center place of all things God. He confronted their idolatry. (laughs) Here they are calling him to be this blasphemer, and he's like, No, no, you're idolatrous. You have an idolatry of, of the temple itself. They tried to confine God within the temple, yet God, we know this. He's too big to fit in a place. He's too big to fit in a, in a space. And what becomes obvious to these religious leaders <laughs> is that, well, it becomes obvious that they had no clue. They had no clue. And here's the Old Testament, as Stephen is saying, historical Documents from I mean, like he's saying historical stories from the scriptures that the Old Testament points to the, the singular hero of redemptive history, Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again. And they're just missing it. They're missing it. And then this is when it gets really spicy. Stephen drives this home. He sums up their historical rebellion against God. And he says this in verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked people. Now, 20 times in the Old Testament, God calls Israel stiff-necked. It, it was an insult, be sure. And these religious leaders were acting just as the ancestors did those 20 times that God referred to them as stiff-necked. God spoke to Moses and told Moses to tell his people they were being stiff-necked. This would happen all the time. He said, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. Like your heart and your, your, your listening has not been changed it should be changed. You should be able to receive what God is doing through Jesus Christ, and there's been no change. You are just like your ancestors, he says. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine being the one to hear these words, these these words said to you? Verse fifty two, was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? This is the summation of all the historical evidence he'd given from Scripture. They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. Stephen's saying, you've always rejected God. You've always rejected God. Your fathers always rejected God. You are like them. You resist the Holy Spirit. Now, something to remember here is that Stephen, remember how he looked? He had the face glowing, like, his face like an angel. He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's full of faith. He's full of wisdom. He's full of power and grace. He is not like in some out-of-control rage here. He's not just, you know, spitting forth venom upon them. He's led by the Holy Spirit, and he rebukes them by Scripture. You're saying, I'm a blasphemer. You are disregarding God. And this obviously doesn't go over well. Verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious, and they gnashed their teeth at him. So, I mean, imagine, like, grown men gnashing their teeth in anger at something that someone just said to them. So, whatever, whatever uh, prestige or, you know, uh, uh, demeanor that they might have had to be holy and good, and, and so, you know, they were now like children responding to something they didn't like. Physically, it shows up in them. They gnash their teeth at him. But Stephen, verse 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, this is what Stephen sees this, and so now he says it out loud, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So God is now, he's, he's opened up, he's about to receive Stephen. Stephen sees this and he says, this is what I see. That put him over the edge. That put the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders over the edge. So here is Stephen, he's empowered, he's filled by the Spirit, he has this heavenly vision, he sees heaven, he sees Jesus in this position of authority and power. Now, did this vision that Stephen sees, did it give these, the, these gnashing teeth guys, did it give them pause to go, hang on, maybe this is the work of God. Maybe this is actually God doing something here. No, absolutely no. This is how they responded, verse 57. At this they covered their ears like they didn't want to hear Stephen declaring that he sees Jesus. They covered their ears. I mean, if can you see the, the immaturity of the of the religious leaders here? They're gnashing their teeth. Now they're plugging their ears and they're yelling at the top of their voices. Nah, 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 I don't know what you're saying. I can't hear you. This is what they're doing. And and while they're doing this, they rush at Stephen. They drag him out of the city, and they begin to stone him. And then we get a tiny little snapshot into where the rest of Acts is going. It says, Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59, While they were stoning him, Okay, so the countenance being full of the Spirit, Um, just in the presence all this time, Stephen has has been faithful to he's like, I'm full of the spirit. I'm gonna speak the gospel, I'm gonna speak the truth, and I'm not gonna let my flesh get in the way. I'm just gonna speak the truth and, and I'm and wow, God, you've shown me a vision. There's Jesus. And as they are throwing rocks at him to take his life, Stephen prayed. See how familiar these prayers are. He prays, Lord Jesus. Receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Most people understand, uh, the people that I've read, and the commentaries on this, that, that this was a very gracious way to receive Stephen. That he didn't suffer. Um beyond, you know, unreasonably, I guess, is that the Lord took him; He took them. But look at the, compare the gnashing teeth, plugging ears, yelling so they don't have to hear what's being said, throwing stones at him, and here he is with the radiance of the Lord, and he's saying, Lord, would you receive my spirit and would you not hold these sins against the people that are, that are harming me right now? Do you see the difference between the two? This is the work of the Holy Spirit of God in his life. Stephen's last words, don't they sound like the words of Jesus? Receive my spirit, don't hold these sins against them. He is quoting purposely what he knows were Jesus' last words. He's following in his footsteps. This contrast... Religious leaders filled with hate, filled with rage, Stephen's filled with truth, he's filled with conviction, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he gave his life for the gospel. Now, when we think about us here today, will any of us in here be called to be a martyr, to to give our lives for Jesus? The statistics say, absolutely not. Are all who are followers of Jesus called to shine Jesus' light? To be a witness in any and all circumstances? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, what Stephen did is he he kept pointing to Jesus. He kept pointing to Jesus. Every time. He's like, you want to make it about the temple? It's not about the temple. You want to make it about Moses? Obviously, you said it isn't about Moses, so why are we even going there? I'm going to make it about Jesus. Jesus. He's the light of the world. He's the Savior. He's the one. He's the resurrected one. He's the one who brings new life. He's the one who forgives sins. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's who Stephen points to. And he's empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit of God. So even though we might go, I would be so scared. I would be afraid. I would tell that Sanhedrin whatever they wanted to hear just so I could get out of there. I would have to deal with it later. I would say whatever they wanted me to say. Stephen doesn't budge, and he points to Jesus. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't know if I could do that. Well, you're right. We need the Holy Spirit of God to be people who will profess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Otherwise, we will be afraid. We'll say, well, I don't really know what to say. I didn't know what to say in that moment. I didn't know what to say in that instance. I didn't know how to respond to that. We need the Holy Spirit to be filled and empowered to speak words that we go, I didn't even know I remembered that verse, but the Holy Spirit spoke right through you. When we're tired and exhausted, we need the Holy Spirit, right, salt team? Right, stir mission team? (laughs) When you're worn out, when the humidity is 5,000% in New Orleans, we need the Holy Spirit of God. Stephen shined Jesus' light. And though most, we won't be called to martyr to give our lives up for him. We won't. We were called to testify to his goodness and his grace. This is what we see in Acts, being filled by the Spirit and proclaiming the goodness of God through Jesus Christ. So let's pray together. Father, your light, the light of Jesus, it, it definitely, it outshines all, all else. It does enrage some. It certainly does. It, it comforts and restores many of us. Lord, I pray today that our desire... Lord, for any of us who feel, this is what I want to pray. Not even feel, that we know That in some ways we have been a coward for the gospel. That you would forgive us. For the opportunities and the times and the, the instances when we could have pointed to Jesus, but we didn't. Would you forgive us? For the times when we have attempted to do something in your name in our own power. Without the work of the Holy Spirit, would you forgive us? God, from this point forward, would we be open to your Holy Spirit's leading? Would you fill us, empower us? And as the conversations and opportunities and circumstances come before us in this coming week, we would be prepared to point people to Jesus. Lord, would you receive our worship now? Would you receive our our praise? You deserve our praise. You deserve our focus. You deserve us to, to tune out everything else and lean into you right now. Our prayers, our praise, our confessions. We love you, Lord. We lift your name up. And God, if any of us think I don't have what it takes. We're right. God, you're more than able. We pray all this. We sing all this because of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.